Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, it was fun while it lasted, but the 2018-19 Carolina hurricane season is over. Wow. That's, um, that's sad. But on the same, you know, on the, at the same time, it's also pretty amazing what we all just watched this year. And we're going to talk about it a little bit today on the Canes Country Podcast. My name is Brett Finger. Uh, as always, I'm joined by Justin Late. Hi, Justin. Hello. Hello. Um, <laughs> so the Hurricanes got swept, uh, just like we predicted last week. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, swept by the Bruins after t- a sweep of the Islanders. If you get sweeped, or if you, no, if you, <laughs> if, if you, you get, get sweeped, <laughs> if you get sweeped uh, and use incorrect grammar, uh, you will not be in the playoffs anymore. But if you sweep someone, then that has not been a good omen so far in these playoffs. As we've learned, New York Islanders swept Pittsburgh, Canes swept them, Boston swept the Canes. So, Justin, we're not we're not going to talk about like the negatives of the Boston series too too much because I mean the season was too good. Like we're not going to stay too much on on how that series went. Uh, just just your overall thoughts on on the Eastern Conference Final that the Hurricanes made it to. You know, when they went down 2-0, I, I kind of got the feeling that it was going to be a Pittsburgh series. And, uh, like, uh, you know, how it was in 2009. Yeah, and, yeah, and it just yeah it just quickly got away from them, really. And I think the biggest thing was that top line is just an animal for the Boston Bruins. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Tree Spurge, Ron David, Pasternak, and uh, Brad Marchand are guy. just... Yeah, the other guy, rat face, whatever you want to call them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that was aggressive. But yeah, that was uh, aggressive. yeah I, I mean, they're just their cohesiveness, their style of play just complements one another, and it's just it's a force to be reckoned with. And I think you know a lot of people point to to other lines around the league, especially in like Tampa or Toronto, but it's got to be top Colorado three, maybe. Yeah, you know Colorado up I there too. I still think that Boston line's the best. Yeah, it's just it's just something about them, um, you know. But to be fair, Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand are not getting any younger, uh, both on the other side of thirty now. So, um, yeah, I mean, as of now, though, they are at a very effective line, and they are the the heart and soul of the team, really. And uh, you know, that line just just ate a, a team that was looked tired. I mean, the Canes just kind of looked tired, especially after they went down to nothing. It just seemed like yeah, they looked gassed. Yeah, and then and then you know the struggle in the in game three really, um, you know McElhaney played great. There's nothing more you can ask of him in that game. Um, it's just the offense fell short, and and Tuka Rask was playing at another level. So um, the Bruins are definitely going in as a hot team in Stanley Cup Finals. So um, yeah, just hoping Boston doesn't have another parade. That's all I gotta ask. 
Uh, yeah, I think he pretty much summed it up well. I mean, the, the Boston is just really good, and Tuka Rask was a world beater in that series, man. Uh, we we talked about it before the series that he was he was playing really really well, but man, he was on another level. Uh, at you know, in those in in games three and four, it's just you know the Hurricanes played well in game three, <laughs> like they they could have won that game, uh, but they did not. So, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, I mean, game three, 20 shots in the first period. So many of them were so dangerous. They had tons of chances on the power play and man, they, they got swept, but they went out. I mean, it wasn't due to a lack of effort. Absolutely. I mean, it was just boss. It's really, really good. And Tukarask was really, really good. And you know, them them's the breaks sometimes. Honestly, that's that's just that's just how it works. It it's definitely a it's it's a tough pill to swallow for the Canes, certainly. But uh, there's no shame in losing to that team because that's a that's a really good team. Um, so that that's how the season ended. But let's talk about the season in general that that has ended. Uh, man, so much so much happened this year. Uh, it, it was it was December thirtieth when the Hurricanes were within two points of last place. They were below five NHL five hundred, well below regular NHL five hundred, and then something happened. Robert Moore's been saying all year that the puck just started going in the net, and well, maybe maybe it's just as simple as that. Uh, Justin, thoughts on this season? This wild, crazy, ridiculous season. Oh, that's a big question, isn't it? Yeah, um, a big question. That's our no, responsibility. I, as yeah, a, we we yeah, solve we the the tough, the questions. tough questions. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, I guess if you told me in September the Hurricanes would be playing in the Eastern Conference Final against what looks like could likely be the Stanley Cup champion. I would have thought you were crazy, really. Um, I was, you know, I'll, I'll admit it now, and I thought they were going to fall just short, kind of how uh, Florida did in the previous season, the 17-18 season. We both predicted um, they wouldn't make the playoffs. Yeah, and, and I think we, we thought they would be more successful than the 17-18 season, but I think that we thought, you know what, it's a tough division. But now that you look at it, I think this division becomes more wide open. Um, I think that you're going to have the Capitals to be a force for a while, but I think that this season kind of proves that the Canes can hold their own in the division. And it's not so much about, you know, oh, it's all these powerhouses. I think that you're right now is the best time to take advantage of that because some are in transition phase, given like the Devils and the Rangers, and some are headed on their way down, as in Pittsburgh, as in Philly. I don't think they have a clear direction. I don't know how that coaching chain is going to work. So I think that this season kind of just proved that 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 this divi- division's not such a behemoth as people make it out to be. Um, and and I think they can really hold their own in it. For sure, I think. I mean, it's a tough division, but I think the Hurricanes proved that they're just a they're just a good team. You know, like they can they can hang out like they can hang around with these teams. They they weren't so far away from you know, second and in the division at the end of the year, they really weren't. If, 
if you remember those like opening night if the hurricanes win that game like they probably should have then you know that's they make up that's a four-point game on the islanders and they had another 2-1 game where they doubled them in shots if they win both of those games the hurricanes are like second in the division so it's there the margin of error uh i was at media day uh we're recording this on monday they just had a player locker room clean out day um so we were we were talking to him and you know justin williams said that the just the margin of error is is so so small and you look back at early season games that you know just barely went one way or the other and you know by the end of the year i mean that's those are big games so um, and the same, the same goes for the playoffs. I think if a, a puck or two bounces differently, the Hurricanes and Bruins might still be playing. They might be playing a seven-game series. I don't think, you know, the 4-0 was as lopsided as it suggested. suggested. Um, you know, in game one, they were up 2-1 to one in the second period. Brock McGinn missed a wide-open goal on a penalty kill odd man rush that could have made three one and you never i mean that's a two goal lead entering the third period you never know what can happen um so yeah the margin of 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 error is very very small um and anything can happen but yeah i think you have to be pretty thrilled i mean obviously everyone should be thrilled about what this season was it's uh, it was a it was a game-changing year for for this organization this franchise um not only did they prove that they're back like they like they they prove that they're 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 right like in the in the way that they're run but they also just went right on the map again in in the nhl i mean they made it to the eastern conference final and with that young core in place, I mean, you never expect to go to the Eastern Conference Final again. You have to, you know, so much goes into that and with all the parity in the league. But the the foundation they built, I mean, they they should be a playoff team again next year. They should be a constant threat moving forward, uh, unlike the 9 team that, you know, kind of got in there with some luck and they were an older team and they couldn't keep it together after that. I mean that their their entire team is is just so young and so well constructed that this should be a a very fun uh run for for this team um best moment give me your give me your best moment of the season Oof, i don't uh it's really tough um i don't care man i think i think that my favorite moment was was either the the Montreal game in in late Svech or what was that mid mid March and Svech scoring that goal, um, or the Pittsburgh shootout win, mm-hmm. um, or I would have to give it maybe the the Vegas game in February. Um, those were were definitely some highlights in terms of games. I think the Vegas game was one of the most complete games of the season, and then just the excitement behind the Montreal game and. You know, Carey Price is playing out of his mind, and and to get the rookie to to get that big goal is just, I you know I think he's gonna be a big big game player for us too. So, um, I yeah I'm I'm really excited to see where he goes for sure. But we'll we'll talk more about that in a minute. But, um, yeah that's that's got to be some of the shining moments for me. Yeah, uh, those are great. The I agree with you on all those. Also the 
uh, you think back to the, the the Florida game, I think in late February in Florida, uh, the one where in overtime, Mrazek, the diving poke check that set the world on fire, and then Niederreiter and Ajo right back down the ice scoring that goal. That ended up being such a huge moment for the Hurricanes in, in a game that seems insignificant. I mean, a game in Florida in, in March or or in February. I mean, you just don't expect that game to be the game that really, you know, sets this team up for, for what it's going to do. And it, it looking back on it, I mean, it feels like that was a such a huge game um, for them to win. So that was a big moment. I was I was <laughs> I was covering that game that uh, you speak of the Montreal game. I that that was such a, a crazy game because you know that the entire game they can't score. They're down one nothing late in the game. Trevor Van Riemsdyk just a prayer from the from the point, just a <laughs> wrist shot from the boards, pretty much on along the blue line. It deflects in off of I think Jordy Ben. <laughs> And, you know, that sent him to overtime. And then just Sveshnikov burying that thing past Price. It's a scrub. Um, so, yeah, that was – that. those were some, some very good moments. And Niederreiter scoring to clinch a playoff berth was also uh, pretty fun, in my humble opinion. So, any uh, – you know, I think we, we know about – who, who stepped up this year? Ajo had a big year. Teravina had a big year. Svechikov's rookie year. Who were who were the guys that really stood out to you along the way? Well, I think at the beginning of the season, it was definitely Warren Fogle. Um, and, and then as as the season wrapped up, I mean, he was one of the most important players in the playoffs and and uh, down the stretch. I, I, and I think I, I you think had some statistics on that, I believe. I have. Well, I don't have statistics uh, per se. Well, I – well – I believe there was like the first seven games of the year he had like five or six goals and then like the middle 70 or something he had like five and then the final week of the season he had four or five or something crazy like that. I just gave him 17 goals on the year, which he did not have, but it was something crazy like that. Um, He had some issues in the middle of the year, you know, confidence wise, not really able to get much going offensively, but Good lord, what a playoff he had! He's a big game player. He's a playoff player. He he fits really well in that style of game. I I think he's going to be a good one. I really do. Yeah, and I think you know I, I think he'll get that score scoring touch at least consistently. Um, you know, it was his rookie season. You know, he got a little bit of seasoning in uh, in Charlotte, but uh, yeah, it, it, I think this gave him a little extra confidence that hey, he can he can compete he with can some score, of the best. He can score 15, 20 goals in a year. I mean, that wouldn't shock. I think it's all. possible. Yes, I think I think if you're getting up near thirty, then you're asking too much. Yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah fifteen, twenty range each year. I I think you could pencil him in. Yeah. yeah. Anyone else? Um, I guess <clears throat> Jacob Slavin. I mean, again, Who? just continues. Jacob Slavin. I don't know who that is. Just one of the best defensemen in the league. Oh, 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 you're so right, though. Burn. No, um, yeah, I mean, he just continues to impress. And I think I think last year he went through phases where he was absent. And that that's not at all faulting him for mm-hmm. how the season went, of course. But I think just this season he stepped up in those big games. And especially 
in the playoffs. I mean, he had a great series against the Islanders. I think that's where he really shined. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Washington series was so hectic and, and stuff, so it was kind of so hard good, to focus but, on. But yeah, yeah but, in the Islanders series, he just owned that whole series. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, him stepping up again is is phenomenal. And of course, you gotta give a quick shout out to Peter Morazic. I mean, yeah, of course, he signed a prove it deal, and and he proved it for the most part. Hey, you know, maybe there... a quick shout out to Curtis McElhaney too. You know? Oh, yeah, C Mac, C Mac, <laughs> yeah, yeah, C Mac. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with with the goalies, huh? I mean, we at uh, at at media day today or locker cleanout day, uh, they were both like, "Yeah, we I'd love to be back," but they also understand that uh, this is an interesting situation that the Hurricanes are in because they have two UFA goalies in McElhaney Morazic. They also have a young man in Charlotte who they're pretty high on in Alex Nedeljkovic. Uh, might have heard of him. He won AHL's most outstanding goalie this season. Um, so there are a lot of moving parts. Uh, do you want to go ahead and talk about the, the, the goaltending situation, off-season stuff? Sure. Let's right. talk Let's talk off-season. Uh, all right. Let's just start with the goalies. Uh, what do you think they should do? Well, I think – See, this is where it gets tricky because you had two guys that played extremely well. Mm-hmm. You know what Curtis McElhinney is. You know his age. So you know that he is not likely a starter. Why obviously. can't he be like five years younger? That would just yeah, if he was five years younger, I wouldn't mind even signing a guy in his lower 30s that proved it like that. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes when you sign in the 30s, you know, things can get tricky. So, um, All but, are tricky. For sure. And anyways, so <laughs> I think I think your best bet is signing Peter Morazic to a two to three year deal. Um, I think if you if you go towards four or five, then things start to get tricky. Um, if we're being honest with ourselves, Peter Morazic is not the goalie of the future. He's not a franchise goalie for the Canes, um, but he's a very good stopgap. Um, and hopefully he can repeat the performance that he had this season. I, I just don't think you want to bet too much on on you know success in the now and, and gamble that future. So um, I think your safest bet is rolling with Morazic as your starter and maybe giving Nadelkovic the backup position. Um, if not, then I know this one's kind of maybe a little bit outlandish, um, but there's a team out west that's going into a rebuild. Whether they like it or not, they're going to have to. So, um, and that's the Anaheim Ducks, and they just signed a wonderful goalie last off season to an extension that's very team friendly, uh, no named way. John John Gibson. And you might think that sounds a little bit crazy. Well, you know what? It might just be a little bit. And you know but what? I, think, I do. <clears throat> but I think that if you're gonna if you're gonna acquire one by trade or free agency that's not in house already, example Mrazek or Delkovich or McElhaney, then I say you you gamble a little bit harder. You have three second round picks. You have a first that is not going to be super valuable. I believe it's but, going to be thirty one, thirty twenty eighth. It'll be twenty eighth overall. 
Yeah. So that that doesn't hold a ridiculous amount of value, but for a team that's going into a rebuild, picking again in the top thirty could be very helpful for them. Um, I I don't know if they would ever do that, but I'm just saying that if he seems like the best fit in any situation, if you're gonna yeah. really gamble for that franchise goalie and take that next step. Um, instead of instead of rolling the dice on an AHL guy who may not translate, or rolling the dice again on a guy who did a prove it deal, it was in a contract year, which we've seen plenty of contract players perform really well in their contract year. Let's, i.e., Jeff Skinner's I knew you were deal. Go there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm just saying. Like, I I think that yeah, if you're gonna take that super gamble, that he's your safest bet for sure. Um, but yeah, what I think they'll actually do is Peter Morazic is a starter, Nadelkovich is a backup, and then you know try to develop Helvig and Booth as much as you can in Charlotte, which should still be pretty stacked next year, despite maybe a few graduating. Wow, I can't believe that. That was just. I don't know what you just did. You I don't just, think it was crazy. Yeah, yeah I no, thought it was, it was well crazy. thought out. It was crazy. It was not. <laughs> no, it, it was crazy. What about that? Is crazy. That was insane. Uh, what about that is crazy? That the Anaheim Ducks would trade perhaps the best goalie in the in the league. But that's, what that's, is that's he gorgeous. what is he gonna do? They're gonna have to rebuild for the next two to three years. Um, he'll be what, twenty what, he'll be thirty by the time yeah, thirty? He'll be thirty by I think by the time that um they would probably be done rebuilding. Like it's just not well, so they have they have Getzlav still. Getzlav's still fine. They have defenders. They have they have Sam Steele. Uh, yeah. Oh yes, that's definitely who I want to tell my playoff hopes. They got on. Sam Steele. They got. He's a uh, solid player, but he's, he's not. Yeah, he's a solid player. They have Sam they don't, Steele. They have, they have what's his face? Half Comtois, of a hip. They have half of a hip Troy in Terry, Ryan Kessler. Troy Terry, uh, Comtois. Yeah, yeah. Very, very solid team out west in a tough west. They have... Um, okay, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think, yeah, I just think that... I know we're a little off subject here, but yeah, I just think that Anaheim's window has closed. Let's talk about and, the Anaheim Ducks. It's take a <laughs> you, really, you really just... really You ambush the podcast with John Gibson trade <laughs> ideas. That's just not... I. Yeah, warn me. I mean, that was so off. That just throws me off, man. I think I just, we're having a nice conversation about Curtis McElhaney, and you throw me a John Gibson grenade. He's tossing. You know, you know how like Thanos has that thing on his little like dagger on his hand. He says perfectly balanced. Well, I'm I'm totally tipping one way and just throwing this yeah. whole podcast off. Yeah. There's no balance <laughs> to it anymore. Well, that's what makes this podcast fun. Um, so I I like that. Uh, it was so just, what are your thoughts on the goaltending situation? What are my thoughts yeah. on the Ducks? Um, <laughs> no, uh, you know if you know what I'll give you this: if John Gibson's on the market, he'd be a solid acquisition. I would agree with that. Um, as for what the Hurricanes currently have, I think I think it's so tough. I think you have to re-sign Morazic, uh almost out of principle. Uh, I think the most likely direction is Morazic and Nedeljkovic next season. Um, 
I think the second most likely is for them to branch out or I, I don't even believe that just just with how the darling thing went they're gonna buy him out this summer it's tough to you know buy into the idea of they should go look for another guy because they they had two goalies that performed very well for them this year so to to ditch both of them and go look for another guy is almost like a self-inflicted wound like you're like like you're really tempting fate here because it took you that long to get a goalie that could play and you finally get it and now you're like all right move on from from that let's try again so i i think Mrazek gets re-signed i think that's probably what happens honestly i i I really would like to see McElhaney back as well um it's just it's tough it's such a tough situation and you know, part of me wants to see McElhaney and Nedeljkovic, you know, the veteran and a rookie and that kind of stuff. Uh, I worry about how crazy a Mrazic nedelkovic goalie tandem would be. Uh, just constant heart attacks every game. Um, it would be absolutely insane, and that might be what we get. It's, it's tough. Uh, but... Again, I don't know anything about goalies. Nobody knows anything about goalies. Um, and I think they should trade for John Gibson. So that's my stance. Um, <laughs> there are other pending free agents. Aho, he's going to get signed. McGinn, he'll get signed. Um, Where do you think McGinn's contract comes in? Because I think I think Aho is anywhere from the 8 to 10 range. I think but where get, would you project McGinn? I think McGinn? Aho will get something like 8 by 9.5 or 10. I think it's going to be something like that. Yeah. McGinn. Um, he's a good player, but what is he, right? So, at times. He's 25. At, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, what kind of player is he? I think he is a third liner. I he's a middle six guy, a, I think. Yeah. A, yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. He's been used as a top six guy at times i mean they've relied on him a lot and he's a good player he's really i mean his season last year was kind of you know like it, it was good but it wasn't honest i don't think of what he can be consistently like i think he can be he a can 30 get, point player he can get you 30 points he can get you 10 to 15 goals and i think that's great and he plays the penalty kill and does so really well He's aggressive. He's all in. He's a team first guy. He's absolutely a guy you want to hold on to, one hundred percent. Him and Martin Hook are two guys that you know, like those kind of guys. You know, so I think they obviously. I think they keep him. I think they give him two or three years at two, two and a half million, something Ooh, like that. I don't know. Two and I know this sounds crazy, but two and a half million for him yeah. just. I think you can find Sounds, your value. Starts getting a little yeah. risky. I get that. Um, so he historically has been, or his last contract was at eight eight seven point five per. Yeah, and that was a steal. They're not going to get that again. <laughs> yeah, so I think if you well, okay, double his value. Put him at one point five. Can you get it done there? Two years, three mil. Do you think he gets less money than Martinuk? <sighs> That's my thing. I think that's a tough one, yeah. Because what what makes it so interesting is like uh, you just yeah, gave Martinuk two by two, you know, and and 
All right. You know, like it's tough. And I, I think, would, all right, all right. Anything over two, I think, is you can still get your value somewhere in Charlotte how and about keep this? that that cap hit low and go for go for a bigger fish. All right. So evolving wild. He's a great analytics guy on Twitter. Yep. And he has he's very smart, very knowledgeable. His current contract projection is two years at two point two three six. And I think that would be fair. I think that's right around where it'll go. I think it's going to be between 2 and 2.5 mil. And I think that's fair. If you're going above 2.5, you're starting to get a little a little uncomfortable, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. I think that's fine. Well, that's been Brock McGinn talk. Yeah. The, <laughs> the next the, player. The talk everyone comes for. Uh, Saku made the line in. Let's spend a few minutes talking about Saku. Uh, <laughs> he broke his All hand right. in the playoffs. Yeah. I like Saku Manalainen. I and I think I mean he's an RFA. I think he'll stick around. Uh, I don't think it's going to be at a significant dollar amount. Yeah, yeah. Um, it should be a low cap. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see. Do you think he'll get a one way deal? Mm. That's tough, right? I think his his safest bet for himself would be a, a two way. I don't yeah. know. Because, I, mean, I, I really don't know what, because what the I mean, the, I mean he'll you know like obviously one way two way that just affects like the money you get so like in a one way deal would be guaranteed whatever he gets I it's, uh, uh, it's tough, I man. guess for me for me it all depends on who graduates okay so you're gonna you're gonna put Nature's probably almost assured. But then who else comes with him? And then I think that's when it gets kind of muddy for the the players that contributed in the bottom six. I'm looking at Main Alignin. I'm looking at McKeg. I'm looking at, you know, just some of those guys. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think yeah, so that's the, when it starts to get tricky. Well, let's look at it. I mean, you have, you have like, your, your top six-ish is pretty much there. You got Svetch. You got Stahl, you got Teravinen, you got Niederreiter, you got Aho. Justin Williams, I think, will be back. Um, I, I think he, I wouldn't mind seeing his minutes dialed back a little bit. So he's a fringe top six guy. Um, and I think it would be in their best interest to get another top six guy. So, I mean, maybe Natchez falls in that category. But you have those six for sure. You got Fogel, you got McGinn, you got Walmart. That's three more. So that leaves you three more spots for Martinuk and uh, Natchez, and you're running out of spots pretty quick because Furland's gone. I think the only like sure thing is Furland's gone. Um, I think it'd be really stupid for him to come back, I, unless it's on a one one year deal, maybe. <laughs> I don't think he's taking he, a one-year deal, but it's not. He's never taken that, so uh, yeah. I think he's gone. I think he signs like a seven-year deal in Vancouver, uh, for some uh, reason. The poor uh, Canucks, because Vancouver doesn't know what they're doing most of the time. Um, they need a tough guy to defend Elias Pettersson. <laughs> he can be. He can be. Uh, Jay Beagle doesn't he fill be that his role. Own personal Lucic. Huh. Like in Edmonton. Um. So yeah, it's tough. I think I'd like to see Mandelin and brought back. I would. I think he's played well, but again, do you give him a one one way deal? That's that's the tough thing. 
I don't know if you can justify that given the players in Charlotte and the roster spots that will be taken up. He's a, Everybody loves him in the locker room. But again, he's an RFA. I don't think that they were going to lose him. Um, okay, I have I have a hot take. Out. What? McKegg's not coming back. Is that a hot take? We're... I think it's a hot take. How dare you come at me with that? And call me call that a hot take. You right just after, said, you just said a few right after ago John, Gibson. John Gibson should be traded for, and then you come at me with here's a hot take: Greg McKeg won't be back. <laughs> Your standards are wacky, man. Yeah, because my my Gibson one was pretty neutral. I think. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. no, I I don't know. I mean UFA twenty six, and yeah, it's just get, it's getting crowded, and I think if they. You know, I do you actually see them using their four picks in the top sixty-two? No. No. I don't. Right? They gotta. They're gonna make another move. I think. I don't yeah. know if it's gonna be a perfect steal like Nino was, but they. I think there's there's gonna be some movement. I mean, we all know how much movement there's gonna be this off season, and awesome. I know a lot of people say that a lot, but the amount of RFAs and and. You know, the teams that are looking to sign those are up against cap. I'm looking at you, Toronto, especially. I think that you're going to see a lot of moving parts. So to to sit there and use all your picks in the top 62. It won't happen. It just, it, I don't know. It seems like that just seems like a waste to me. <laughs> I don't think they're going to use all of them. Um, they have their own. They have their own second. They have Boston, or not Boston, Buffalo and New York's second. Uh, they have, I think, the 36th and 37th picks to go along with their 28th and then their second rounder, which will be like 59 or something. Okay, but, well, here's something. Looking back in retrospect, you roasted me at the time. Mm. I said the Hurricanes should have used their first-round pick in order to acquire a player. Ooh. Do you still stand by your stance that we shouldn't have? Now that you've seen, Now that you've seen what the future became, do you think that that first could have been used in – to get him past Boston, more or less, to get an impact player. Oh, there. oh, you mean this year at the deadline? Oh, yes. When, when you when you said they have they if they still have their first <laughs> after the deadline, it's a failure. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't that dramatic, but it was. It, you, you were very much against them. I was very first. much against it, but now I look at it, and I now still I'm agree with me. Super, I still agree really, with me. yeah. It's they can use They can use it. Do you draft, want another? Man. Do you want another Felipe Perida? Paradis. Do you? Parody, paradox, paradis. That's paradisgrace. Wow, that's good. That's Oof. very good. He can bad. beat the hell out of you, though. He can fight. Um, he was supposed to be uh, Carolina's Tom Wilson before Tom Wilson was a thing. Before Tom Wilson. Uh, so he was a poor man, Scott Walker? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was a poor man, Scott Walker. Um. Yeah. The hell are we even talking about? Okay, yeah, the draft picks. Um, no, I don't think they're going to use all of them. I think they're probably going to use some to to make a deal of some sort, whether that's for a John Gibson or. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. Let's move on to. Let's just move on. All right, we, <laughs> we're talking about uh, draft picks and John Gibson and Greg McKegg. Let's talk about. Um, who do you think among these? So we started talk. We talked about for a few seconds the, this crop of Charlotte players. Uh, which ones do you think will will be on the team next year? 
I think the only one that seems to be a hundred percent confirmed, almost assured, is Martin Natchez. Seems likely, yeah. Seems very likely, and honestly, it would be pretty surprising if he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the two secondary players that I could see, is Julian Gauthier. Um, I think he is your Warren Fogel. I think he's your your underrated candidate for a breakout season if if he does get that call up um and kind of be like people will be like whoa i know he's a first round pick but i'm just saying i think like i think people have forgotten yeah and i think i think that initial rookie season like where it seems like he seemed unhappy with olf and then he was unhappy with Volucci, kind of a little bit yeah it's yeah it was it was something but um was he ever with olf or was he playing the postseason with him yeah, I think he played postseason, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah, the first season with Vellucci, I know he yeah, made yeah. those comments. Yeah, but now yeah. he seems to be pretty happy. Because so. this is his, this is Gauthier's second full year in the AHL, Correct. right? Okay, yeah. Correct. Gotcha, yeah. So I think Vellucci's done a great job with him. I think he's going to be good. I think he's just a bit of a project. Not I mean, all, we already, yeah. Not all, you know what, not all players are Sebastian Ajo where they get picked in the second round, and the next year they're they're just putting up 50-point years. Yeah. yeah, some players yeah. take time. He's taking his yeah. time. Take and I mean, time. He, has, he has the physical tools. We we know that for Man. sure. Oof. So Man. the guy is jacked. Yeah. So he can score and he can he can just do things on the ice, man. Um, and I I'd, I'd yeah. say a secondary player, another like kind of secondary player. I'd put it like maybe a sixty percent chance. I, I think we got to go back to our old boy Yanni Kokkinen. I think Man, I like Yanni Kokkinen. I think. I think after he's like hurt, yeah, but... it's hopefully he's all healed up. Yeah, the injury unfortunately happened, and and it kind of ruined a, a a pretty solid start to a season for yeah, him. And 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 I think that, um, yeah, I I, I think that you got to give him at least another shot. He's only twenty years old, um, and and I think that he he never got a full shot under Peters, and then. Brindamore, what, gave him two games this year or something like that before? He got maybe seven-ish. I mean, he he got some games, but that was during a time where the Hurricanes were not very good. Uh, They were not playing very well, and he didn't get the best shot, really, so... Yeah, and then lastly, I'd I'd put Jake Bean in that tier as well. Yeah. Um, it all depends on if they're moving a defenseman to get a forward. Mm-hmm. If not, he's probably going to be stuck there again. Um, yeah. it, it, I guess it all depends on what you do with Hayden Flurry too. If Flurry's a yeah. an RFA, uh, I believe, and um, that guy's that Hayden Flurry has to play like I, wherever it is. Like he just has to play and. This year, I mean, he was going back and forth a lot. He was sitting out. He was going to Charlotte, playing a few games, going back up to Raleigh, sitting out, playing four minutes in a game. Like, I just want him to be somewhere where he plays consistently because this is not great for his development right now. Yeah, and I, I think he's a serviceable bottom-pairing defenseman for sure. At, yeah, the, I think he... at the moment, yeah, and I think he can be a little bit better than that. You know, I think yeah. he can be a good PK guy, you know, a decent, like, five or four defenseman at his best if he gets the right, you know, breaks, but, you know. And then my last pick, and I think this one is my long shot. Um, Geeky. 
Yeah, how'd oh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> how did you know? I like Iki too, yeah. man. He can play. Yeah, he's he's got some good speed to him. Good hands in close. Um, yeah. I mean, he had a scoring touch, almost fifty points. I mean, he really he, good playoff performer. Yeah, yeah, good playoff performer too. So I don't know. I think he's kind of the the under the radar guy, but he could surprise some people if he has a good camp. So yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, um, all of those all those make sense. All of those are great. Um, here's an ad real real quick on the other side we're gonna talk about the charlotte checkers and we're gonna talk about game of thrones and then we're gonna get the hell out of here so all right thank you other side stay tuned kane's country podcast across america bp supports more than two hundred and seventy-five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing jobs like building grid scale solar energy in ohio and Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, welcome back. So, Justin, the hurricanes might be done. You know, the, the season's over. Everything's terrible, except everything's really good for the most part for the hurricanes. Um, including what's going down in Charlotte because the Charlotte Checkers are in the Eastern Conference Final and they will not get swept. That is confirmed. They won a game and they did it in pretty dramatic fashion in Game 2 to tie the series with the Toronto Marlies who won the Calder Cup last season. Uh, Justin, talk to me about Charlotte Checkers. Well, they're tied with the Toronto Marlies in <laughs> the Eastern Conference yeah. Final. Um, well, I mean, I think they're they faced two opponents so far, and you know, Hershey <laughs> was kind of a, a walk in the park, and and <laughs> Wait, no, I, <laughs> I just I just like how we started that. <laughs> I said, <laughs> yeah, it's a one-one series. Justin, tell me a little something. You say. <laughs> It's a 1-1 series. They've played two opponents so far in the playoffs. I'm sorry. Keep going. Anyways. (laughs) Providence, a walk in the park. Hershey's was a walk in the park as well. (laughs) They they were. I think, yeah, I mean, this is their one true test. And as I said on the last podcast, if they beat Toronto, it's pretty much theirs to lose at that point. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty exciting if – I know that fans are probably pretty disappointed with how the Eastern Conference Final turned out for the Canes, but if you can get down to Charlotte over the next week or so and and get to see maybe Game Six or Seven, then um, yeah, definitely definitely worth your time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as of Game Two, I think yeah, what a what a momentum swing, really. Um, I think when you know Volucci pulls Nadelkovic there, I think that's a like, that's whoa. a risk. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it was a risk, but um it paid off. Tukarski came in and, and you know, shut the door really. Um and one guy again that I think people haven't realized how good he's been for Charlotte. I mean, he'll never make an impact for the Canes, but Thomas Yurko has been mm-hmm. unbelievable. I mean, he's been a point per game player in the playoffs and, and he had a big game. So um yeah, it's it's a it's a tough series and you know, the Marlies are the defending champs. It's, it goes through them really. They, they, 
So, um, but yeah, back up to Toronto for today. If on the posting of this podcast Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, and then you know a pair of games on Thursday and Friday. So, um, yeah, I, I think they stand a chance. It's just yeah, being consistent and yeah, hopefully Nedeljkovic has <laughs> got his stuff under control because mm-hmm. three goals on twelve shots is not under control. So yeah, yeah, that was rough, but. They they really responded. I mean, and they I mean they they made it this far and they did it without Patrick Brown and Jake Bean and they they get those guys back. Patrick Brown scored the empty netter in that game two against Toronto, so that's that's good for them. I mean, just casually getting their captain back and casually getting one of the best defensemen in that league back. Um, just you know, here you go. You're already doing really well, but here you go. Have Patrick Brown and Jake Bean. So that's 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 big for them. Um, do you give me a prediction? Are they gonna Are they going to beat the Marlies in this series? Oh, that's so tough. Um, you know what? I'll say they'll win it in seven. Mm. I'll say they'll win it in seven. Um, yeah, they just they played they played really well at home through the second half of the season and in the playoffs. Um, only one loss and that was to the Marlies, but. Um, yeah, I, I'll say they'll win it in seven. In the Marlies, I mean, they were undefeated in the playoffs before losing in game two. So, I mean, they're they're not as good as they were last year, but they're still very, very good. They are not to be doubted or messed with. No, not at all. Not, not at, at all. all. Um, and Kasky Swo has been pretty good in the playoffs. Yeah. Eight, yeah. one, and one or something crazy like that. So, um, yeah, he's been great. Insanity. Uh, all right. So we're gonna talk about Game of Thrones now, right? Yes, we are. All right. So that's all for the hockey uh, talk portion. So and also, this will be our obviously our last Game of Thrones talk. So if you enjoyed it, then cool. But if you haven't, too bad then... it's over. <laughs> too bad. <laughs> all right, here we go. See, that's that's how you run a podcast. You you get you figure out what people like and you stop, you stop it. <laughs> and then if, if they don't like it, you force it upon them. Yeah, that's how that goes. That's a good podcast. Yeah. Anyway, Game of Thrones, you, the final you episode. Wanna, you want to start it off? Do I? I mean, I feel like I've said what I've need to said. Ne- I've said what I've need to said. You're um, struggling with your I tenses have said today. What I have. I don't even know what I'm saying. So you said sweeped, and then sweeped, now you're just all over the place. <laughs> um, but yeah, in recent weeks, I've talked about how I feel about the writing and the, the all that of this season, and I just I I feel cheated a little bit. But I will say this: um, this the fun the finale was good, given the rushed nature of everything. Uh, it's. I still think it should have been another season. It should have been more fleshed out. It should have been better writing. Um, but given how they've rushed this final season, this was a satisfying ending. All with that considered, with that in mind. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> and that is that. No, I think my take is that people overreacted. I think people just need the. Calm down a little bit. Um, I if you thought that the writers were gonna play into what the fans wanted, it's then about, yeah, 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 you haven't been paying attention. Like, like it's again, like I've said this 
and we've talked about it in recent weeks. I just I wish it would have been longer and more fleshed out and more Game of Thrones like with the execution. I don't I don't I like I don't care really what happens or how it ends or all that. I just want it to be satisfying. Uh, and this the final season really hasn't been satisfying to me. But um, I mean, I entered this final episode with the mindset of okay, I'm probably not gonna like this because I haven't really enjoyed this last season. Um, so that's, that's how I entered it. And I came out and I was like, you know what, given all, given the first five episodes of the season, I'll take it. So I think, I think the, the, the people's animosity towards the series kind of grew when they thought more were going to die in the battle of Winterfell. And then I think that perhaps had a major character or someone had died in that, maybe more people could have forgiven it. But I don't know. I I think that's despite the lighting. I think everything else was, think was pretty some, well I done think, for I that think episode. There was some plot armor. You know? Yeah, I, I think there was maybe like two gaps in that one. But I mean, no no series is perfect. It's not the end of the world. It's it's whatever. yeah. Um, but I think I think that yeah. I think and then I think that the finale people still had animosity towards how Daenerys is character arc went um but again like she showed signs throughout a while like i, I if you i think so many people just kind of thought that oh it was gonna end happy and dandy and she was gonna I end up on a throne so, but I think, I think as soon as I they think, found i think i think most for the most part people are of the mindset and i am that like i'm cool with however they want to end it i just want it to be satisfying yeah, you know? like yeah, and that, and that like that just all has to do with like how it's been rushed to the end, right? Like, and especially with the reports that like HBO was more than willing to fund like another two seasons, and the producers are like, no, I want to, we need to get this done now so we can move on to Star Wars. The Benioff and Weiss are going to do the writers of this final Game of Thrones season. So, oh, wait, are they slotted to do one of the yes. spinoffs or they're, wow. they're slotted to do? trilogy starting in 2022 i think oh all right that'll be interesting um but yeah i think uh you know the writing has been great of course they they put it against the books and then it kind of you know obviously went off course when the books didn't match up but um i think for me yeah daenerys's arc was was always gonna happen that way especially when she found out john was the targaryen um I, I either thought she was going to kill John or, yeah, he was going to end up killing her. Yeah. But I think that anyone who saw John on the throne, it just was never going to happen. He didn't even want to be the king of the north. I don't know why anyone would expect him to be up at King's Landing like that. He just he never belonged as a king. Um, he was a great warrior and like a leader in battle, but like he, it just that was never going to happen. I, I don't know. What, but I think yeah. – I think – I don't know. Part of me kind of, and especially in that final scene where they're kind of deciding, I thought they were going to free John somehow, but I, I understand what they did instead, instead of like just straight up murdering him. Cause that would have definitely like sucked. Like I, that, then I would have been like, yo, th- yeah, this did suck. Um, I guess I understand it a little bit. I think, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, if I didn't hate Bran so much, just like 
the or the three eyed raven character we've just in general. <laughs> we've discussed how useless. Yeah, we've discussed his bird, his yeah, bird habits. Do the so. bird stuff, yeah. Um, his bird. But habit. again, I think. But again, he's also like it's kind of fitting in a way because yeah, Sansa was never gonna. She loves the North too much. Arya is definitely not a leader. She's kind of just does her own thing. She's a sailor now. And then I really, I mean, who else was fit to to rule in that aspect? No, well, no one else. So, um, I don't think you could see Tyrion on there just because he probably could have be respected. One thing but. I thought was interesting, I was kind of surprised how, like, John kills Daenerys, and then, like, uh, like Grey Worm, like. Grey Worm was very, like, easygoing with the whole process, given that, like, his god, like, his his everything, like, like his, his girl got killed, Missandei got killed, and then Daenerys was, like, like, he follows her orders, like, to death, and then she gets killed by Jon, and then Grey Worm's, like, all right, yeah, yeah we, don't, we don't have to kill him, we can just give him to you, you know, whatever. It's, it's just, I don't, like, Grey no, Worm is I, very okay. See, I didn't get that, no, I didn't get that impression. I didn't get that impression. He seems so angry in that one scene. But he didn't do anything. Like he, he was just like going with everything that Tyrion was saying, even though he was their prisoner. He was like, well, yeah, I right, think whatever. he knows the value of John to many people, so it isn't just going to be like straight up be like, die, die. He cares about the Unsullied. He doesn't care about anything. Like his, like his two like best friends in the world are gone. You know, and he he was like, "I'll oh, kill everybody. I don't care." And then he's like, "You know what, John? You, that's fine." You know, that's just that's just my opinion. We don't we don't have to agree. That's hmm. fine, and hmm. that's and that's that's the podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. So follow Kane's Country on Twitter at Kane's Country. Follow on Instagram at Kane's Country Picks. Uh, go read the things on the website. I wrote up a recap of of all the things that happened today. Um, I think it's pretty good. And Justin, where can they follow you on Twitter? They can follow me at Linky Leap. And you can follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore finger. And you can also go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google play, all of the places, uh, review it, rate it, share it with everyone, you know, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Well, 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 well. I just think my John Gibson take was, that was such a, <laughs> That was such a great take. <laughs>